There's a passage in Acts chapter 12, which for me has been incredibly significant when it comes to my prayer life, because it really describes me. And as I share this, you might find that it describes you as well. So let me set, let me set the stage, and then I'm going to read just a little bit of Acts 12. And for some of you, you might be amazed because it will connect so well with your life. But what's happening is King Herod, who is ruling over the area of Judea and Jerusalem, he has decided that he is going to persecute Christians. James, the brother of John, is cut through with a sword and killed. Peter, the great apostle, Peter upon whom Christ will build his church, is arrested. And he's put in chains. And they are waiting for Passover to end. For the day after Pas Passover, shortly thereafter, Peter is going to be brought to trial. Now, Peter is in a prison cell, and he's chained. Now, I want you to see this. Picture this in your mind. On either side are two guards. Just outside the cell are two more guards. And there are four sets of guards every six hours that are making sure that Peter does not get away. They probably learned their lesson with the resurrection of Jesus. They're not going to let him get away. Now, here's what's happening while Peter is in prison. Now, hear this, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What is the church doing? Praying. Praying for what? For Peter, right? What are they probably praying for? God release him. God save him. God protect him. So we read on, and what happens is, just before the, the trial, the night before the trial, an angel of the Lord appears to Peter in his cell. And he instructs Peter to stand up. And as Peter stands up, the chains fall off his hands and his feet. The angel then begins to lead him outside of the cell. And he walks right by the two sets of guards, the four guards. He thinks he's dreaming. Because of course this can't happen. So he thinks he's dreaming. He goes out, and he's following the angel. The angel takes him to the gate to enter Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, the gates open for him as he's walking with the angel. He goes through the gates, and the angel disappears. Now, we pick it up in verse 11. Then Peter came to himself, and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. What are they praying for? Peter. What are they praying? That he will be released, that he will be protected. Now watch what happens. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. 
And she exclaimed to the people who are doing what? Praying, Peter is at the door. Now here's the response from the people who are what? Praying for Peter. You're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. It certainly can't be Peter. We're praying that God would release Peter. We're praying that God would free Peter. We're praying that God would protect Peter. But it certainly couldn't be Peter. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Friends, I can relate to what happened there. How many times have I prayed and not expected anything to happen? How many times have I prayed and my God is just too small? How many times have I prayed and just gone on my day without expecting the world to be any different? This morning, we're going to be talking about something called the sovereignty of God, which I'm going to mention in just a moment. And I'm going to be talking about, if this is true about God, why would we ever pray? And we're going to talk about this because it's one of the questions that was raised and one of the questions that we're addressing in this series. In fact, next week we're going to pick up on this theme. And we're going to talk about the why of pain and suffering in the world. If God is powerful, all-powerful, then why do we suffer? Why is there pain? It's a question that I'm sure almost everybody here has asked at one time or another. But I've often asked myself the question, why do so few Christians, why are we so unfaithful when it comes to prayer? What is it about prayer? When I talk about prayer here, I'm talking about coming to God and beseeching him, asking for something. And I think there are a couple reasons for it. I think, number one, we have a small view of God. And we think that God is just a victim, like we are, and he can't do anything about our circumstances. Or we think that God's not going to hear my voice. He's too busy. I've actually had people say that. He's too busy with bigger things which is a wrong view of God. Or I've had other people say to me, with the kind of life that I've lived, he's not going to do anything. I deserve this. People have all sorts of reasons, but one reason which we're going to address this morning is this. If God is already in control of everything, if God's plan is already set, then what difference does it make? I want you to hear this that somebody wrote once. If God's will prevails, if God's will is going to happen, isn't it pointless to pray for what I want? Why should we pray for things we want, happiness for ourselves, healing for others? If we know in the end God's will will be done, I struggle with praying for what I want because I know in the end God's plan will prevail anyways. And if I don't pray for what I want, then what would be the point of praying anyway? Well, that's an interesting question. And it's the question we're going to tackle this morning. 
This is deep waters, friends, but it's so critical because it can make the difference in your relationship with God. Some of you are here this morning and you have disappointments with God. You've come, you've asked, you've begged, and God didn't respond in the way you wanted him to. What I want to suggest to you today is that God is not only in control of all things, but prayer matters. And in our human finite minds, that can seem like a mystery. But I want to show you this morning why it's true. So if you um, are ready to go, I'm ready to go. If God is sovereign, why do we pray? Here's the first thing I want you to see. Oh, here, here we go. God, what does it mean that God is sovereign? It means that he is the supreme authority. It means that nothing happens that surprises him. It means that he's in complete control. That he knows all things, not just now, not just in the past, but he knows everything that's going to happen in the future. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's aware of all things. He knows all things. All things are in his hands. Nothing happens outside of his good and perfect will. Now that line right there is going to be hard for some of you. But why? But why, God? Why would you let this happen, God? And we're going to talk about that next week. But today is going to set the stage for that as well. One of the great truths for me that brings incredible comfort is this. God is sovereign. God is in control. This world that seems so out of control from my perspective, it's not out of God's control. The things that are happening, God foreknew. And God is sovereign in control over everything. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are things that I would do differently than God. There are. There are things I wouldn't have let happen. There are things I would want everybody to be happy. I wouldn't want anything tough to happen to anybody. I wouldn't want anybody to lose anybody they love. It's a good thing I'm not God. God has a plan, not just for our lives on earth. Please hear this. Not just for our lives on earth, but he has a plan for our eternity. And one of the things that I thought about with my father when he took his last breath is how hard we battle to stay. Most of us battle to stay in this world. And I wonder if our complaint with God isn't that we live too long in this world, but that we, he didn't take us earlier. God, why didn't you take us? This is so amazing. Why didn't you take me quicker? I wonder. God is sovereign, and God sees all of eternity in a moment. He sees heaven. He sees earth. He sees all things in a moment. And with our finite minds, we cannot comprehend so often what God is doing or why God is allowing something. But this we know. God loves us. And he has a plan and a purpose, and we are part of that plan and that purpose. You hear me say often, I cannot judge God by my circumstances. I can only judge my circumstances by what I know is true about God. Because 
He is so much more than me. Now, having said this, I want to talk about why pray? Why pray? Now, when I say why pray, I want to say, I want to say first of all, that prayer is far more than asking God for what we want. God is more than a Santa Claus. For some people, that's all he is. The only time God hears from them, the only time they focus on God, the only time they turn their face on God is when they're in trouble. But we are to pray to God, the Bible says in Thessalonians, we are to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It means that it, it, like being with my wife in the car, we're taking a long road trip. We don't talk the entire time. Um, well, maybe I do, but, um, <laughs> but we'll be driving along and all of a sudden, hey, look at that. That's incredible. Hey, a little while later, hey, have you been thinking about such and such? Yeah, I've been thinking about that, right? Well, that's what it means to pray without ceasing. It's to walk in your day with God. It's to walk in your day and just bubble up. Oh my gosh, God, that is an incredible sunset. Thank you for that. Oh, Lord, so-and-so is struggling. Would you touch them? Would you help them? So here's the first thing I want you to see. When we pray... We pray, we offer prayers of praise. Praise are prayers that we lift up to the Lord. And we lift it up to God. And we praise him for who he is. God, you are faithful. God, you are, you are sovereign. God, you are love. God, you are patient. God, you are kind. You're, you're a God of comfort. You're a God of grace. You're a God of goodness. You're a holy God. A lot of the things that we sang about this morning, we praise him. We thank him. That's for the things that he has done in our lives and doing in our lives. We thank him. We confess our sins to him to be restored and renewed and be reminded of his grace that we are forgiven no matter what we've done, no matter what we failed to do. We have experienced his grace and then we ask him for things. You know why? Because he's told us to ask him for things. Listen, here we begin with why do we ask God for help? Because God is sovereign, and we know he can answer any prayer. I know God can do anything, anything that he chooses to do. Often when I'm praying for something, I'll remind myself that God is the one who created the world. He's the one who created you and created me. Do you know how complex our bodies are? God made all of that. God designed all of that. He designed atoms and neutrons. He designed the universe. He designed everything. And listen to what we read here in Psalm 115. It says this, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. Our God does whatever pleases him. He is in control. Now, there's mystery in that, which we're going to see in just a moment. But friends, I have seen God do incredible things. There are many things that I have asked God to do over the years where he has said no. And there are many things that God has answered my prayer and said yes. I, many years ago in my last church, I hadn't been there very long. 
And we had a, a, a young man named Barry Romania who had a closed head injury, and it was a very serious injury. For about three weeks, the parents were there day and night. The church was praying. The church was praying. They went home just to get some sleep one night. They received a call about 10 o'clock, and the doctor said, um, Barry is basically, there's no brain activity and um, don't come down now, but come in the morning, sign the papers, and we'll harvest the organs. The church was praying. The next morning, they went in, and suddenly, Barry had brainwaves. Barry survived. Now, there was damage that affected him, but he's married today with kids, I can't explain it. The doctors couldn't explain it. There have been other times where I have prayed. I've asked God for a miracle. And he said no. I've seen amazing things. I was part of a group one time here in Glendale, a prayer team. And we were praying over a woman that had very serious curvature of the spine. And over 20 minutes as we laid our hands on her, I could feel the spine straighten. There have been other times I have prayed and the spine didn't change. I can't explain it. All I know is God is sovereign. And it doesn't make sense to me always, and it's a mystery to me, but this I know. God is in control, and every time I pray, I know this to be true. God is not surprised by anything. God has a plan and a design and a purpose. And he allows us to pray to be part of that design and that purpose, as we'll see in just a moment. Here's the second thing I want you to see. God commands us to pray. Why do we pray? Because God commands us to pray. If you read the Lord's Prayer, what do we see? We see that we ask God for the things that we need today. We pray and we ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. We pray that God would protect us from temptation that is brought to us, literally, it says, not by evil, but by the evil one, is what it says. And so we are asking God, Jesus, in the very prayer he taught us to pray, we are to ask God for things. We read in this passage here, it says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. What is he asking us to do? He's saying, ask. Pray, request, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, that's not saying that everyone who asks will find. It doesn't mean that God's going to give us what we want. But it is going to mean that as we pray, as we are taught in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That God has a plan. God, I want your plan. I want, and when we pray in the name of Jesus, you know, we often say, when I pray this in the name of Jesus, you know what we're saying? God, not my will, but God, your will. God, not my plan, but the plan of Jesus. God, you do what it is that you are wanting to do, and I 
will go along with it and I will thank you for it eventually. It's hard, but God commands us to pray. Jesus prays. Did Jesus, was he just going through the motion because he knew his father had a plan already in place? Was he just going through the motion? Or I believe his prayers really did change the world. Because he was praying in the will of the father. And we'll see that in just a moment. Here's a third thing that I want you to see. And that is why do we pray? Because if we don't ask for things in prayer, we may not receive them. Okay. This is going to set us up for the fourth point, which is a little more challenging and a little more difficult. But I want you to hear this. James writes these words. He says, you desire, but do not have. Does that describe some of us here this morning? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill to get what you want. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You have not because you ask not. Here's what I want you to see. And we'll see it more powerfully in the, last, in the next point, the last point. Here's what I want you to see. God knew, even before he created the world, he knew you. He knew when you would pray. He knew when you wouldn't pray. He, would know, he knew your heart. He knew you. You were on his mind. He knew me. And he knew when I would pray and when I wouldn't pray. And God took all of that into the fabric of his will and his design and his plan and his purpose. When he set the world into motion and carried out his will. This is what I'm saying. You have not because you ask not. God's will, his design, his purpose took that into consideration when he created the world. This morning, your life can change. Because maybe, maybe God will change your heart when it comes to prayer. And maybe you'll begin to do what is one of our values as a church. You'll begin to earnestly seek after God. Not just because you think he's a Santa Claus who's gonna, who can give you what you want, but because he's the God that you will fall in love with. And as you fall in love with him, as you trust him, as you walk with him, you begin to ask for things. And as you're asking for things, you begin to see the world change around you. You see, friends, our prayers are not useless. They are not irrelevant. They are not insignificant. They are powerful. And in God's design, from our human perspective, 
It changes the world. From God's perspective, he knew you were going to pray, and he knew that he would respond to your prayer, and he would say yes to your prayer, and he would provide the very thing that you are passionately needing him to do in your life. Do you see that? It's incredibly powerful. It brings, makes all that the Bible says about who God is and about prayer, it makes it all true. God is sovereign. God has a plan. God has a will. You are part of that plan. And God is going to use your prayers as part of the work of God in this world. It would not happen if we did not pray. And God knew that, and he, and he wove that into the fabric of his plan and his purpose and his design for this world. It means, friends, that prayer makes a difference. It means, friends, that we get to be part of the purpose and the design of God because he knew before he created the world that you would be praying for you fill in the blank. I think that's extraordinary. Now, from our human perspective, it's a hard thing to wrap our minds around, isn't it? That's a hard thing to kind of grab onto. But God is greater. He's bigger. He stands over all the universe. You know what happened? And I think about this when I pray. God said, you know what? Let's put a canyon over there. Boom. Let's put a mountain over there. Boom. He spoke, and it was so. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God I know. And I believe, in fact, in doing this sermon, it has made me even more faithful in my prayer life. Because I believe to the core of who I am that the world will be different because I prayed. Now, I don't understand all of that and how all of it works, but I know it's true. This brings us to the last point, and I want you to see this. Oh, this is, this is, this is a good one, so put on your hats, team. Put on your thinking caps, because this is amazing. It's going to illustrate what we just talked about. Here's, why do we pray? Because our prayers, as I just mentioned, are part of his plan. It's part of his purpose. It's part of his design. I get to pray, and when I pray, the world changes. That's not just true for me. I'm just like you. I'm a fellow sinner. I'm a fellow broken human being. But I get to make a difference in the world. Listen to what this says. I'm going to read to you a passage that comes out of Luke 22. Now, let me set the stage. This is before Peter denies Jesus. This is before Peter turns his back on Jesus and says, I don't even know the man. This is before Peter would abandon Jesus when Jesus was, um, was arrested and brought to trial and crucified. In fact, it appears that only the disciple John was there when Jesus was crucified. The rest were hiding for their lives. 
Listen to what Jesus does. Listen to what happens here in these two profound verses. Listen to this. Okay, Simon is, is the name of Peter before he was Peter. Peter means rock. And they changed his name because he is the rock upon which Jesus would build his church. So Simon became Peter. So this is who we're talking about. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Who are all of you? It's the disciples. Okay. Simon, I want you to know this. Satan has asked to sift you disciples like wheat. Now, what does that mean to sift? Well, there was a process by which the chafe had to be, had to be uh, separated from the wheat. And so what would they do? They would shake it up. And the, the, what would happen, they would hit it and they would beat it and they would shake it up. And the chafe would just go in the air and the wind would blow it away. And they would be left with the wheat. Peter. Satan has asked to shake up your life. Satan has asked, can I, can I hurt them? Can I shake them up? Much like he did when he spoke to God about Job. You see, not even Satan has sovereignty. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. He cannot do anything else apart from the will of God and the purpose of God. Now that creates all sorts of things, which we'll talk about next week. But I want you to hear this. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, who did he ask? He asked, the, he asked God the Father to sift all of you as wheat. So how did Jesus respond to that reality? Well, he tells us, but I have prayed for you, Simon. I have prayed for you, Simon. What did he pray for? He prayed for God's protection. What did he pray for? He prayed that, that Simon's faith would be strong, even knowing that Simon is going to deny him, even knowing that Simon Peter is going to fail him in just a few hours. He says, so what is it? Did Jesus' prayer not get answered? Because it was the plan of God that Peter, in fulfillment of Scripture, would. And the disciples would leave him. So what happens? But I have prayed for, your son, for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now, it does fail. He says this, and when you have turned back, you see what he's saying? Peter, you're going to fail. I prayed for you. Your faith is going to fail you in the moment. But Peter, you are going to repent. Peter, you are going to turn around. Peter, you will still be the rock upon which I will build my church. And when you turn around, you will strengthen your brothers. Do you see that? You will strengthen their faith. So even though there is going to be a hiccup 
Because of the work of Satan, there's going to be a hiccup in the faith of Peter. Peter is going to turn around. Peter is going to embrace the risen Jesus. Peter is going to lose his life eventually. He will be sacrificed, refusing to recant his faith in Jesus, refusing to recant the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, he asked to be crucified upside down so that he would not be crucified as his Lord. The prayer of Jesus is answered, but in the short term, it seems like it wasn't. Because Peter's faith fails him at this critical moment. But the prayer of Jesus is fulfilled. For Peter, after failing, anybody here ever fail? Boy, if you don't know what failure is, just follow me around. Peter turns around and he re-embraces Jesus. And what happens? His faith becomes this beautiful sermon in and of itself. Peter, who was hiding, is now preaching the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem. They tell him to be silent and he will not be silent. He continues to preach the gospel. My guess is he's preaching the gospel to the four guards, which are actually end up being 16 guards being rotated. He's preaching the gospel to them. And his faith strengthens the other believers. Friends, I want you to hear this because for me this is, I wrote this down, woven into God's plan is his foreknowledge of our prayers. Woven into his plan is his foreknowledge of your prayers. God's purposes will be accomplished, but we get to be part of his work in this way. Rather than discouraging our prayer, the sovereignty of God should strengthen us to fall on our knees and to pray bold prayers of healing, healing of the land, healing of people, healing of spiritual darkness. We should be praying as no others for the God that we know can do anything. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the extraordinary God that you are. Lord, I, I know that for many here this morning, this is a very difficult, this is a painful topic. They have prayed for things that from their human perspective, your answer was not what they wanted. And with that came deep, profound pain. God, we worship you as a God of compassion, as you have told us in your word. A God of comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles. I pray for those who are hurting this morning. Hurting with disappointment. Hurting with pain from their past of things that maybe they prayed about. But Lord, we want to begin this prayer 
in, this, in a moment of silence, I want to invite you in where you're sitting, just in silence. I want you to think about prayers of praise of who God is, prayers of thanksgiving for what he's done. Take a moment in silence and let's just fill this room. He hears you. Let's fill this room. And Father, we confess that we have not been faithful in our prayer life. We confess that we have often, for whatever reason, we're too busy. We lack faith. We have a warped understanding of who you are. And we have not prayed as we should. Lord, we, we believe that prayer is more than just getting what we want in this world. Prayer is about connecting with you, earnestly seeking after you, learning your heart, learning your nature, learning more of your character as we connect with you in the daily circumstances of our lives. Lord, I pray for all this morning, in particular, who have made a decision this morning to, to seek after you more diligently, more faithfully. We thank you, Lord, and when we pray, for needs, we pray to a sovereign God. And Lord, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, not our will, but your will be done. Would you take this moment, would you lift up the needs, maybe your needs, maybe the needs of a loved one, maybe needs of our world. Would you just ask God, let's fill this room in silence, these silent prayers, asking God to do amazing things that we never we never thought possible. Oh God, give us the ability, give us the ability to see what you are doing in response to our prayers. Oh God, we just want to partner with you to be your people in this world. May our prayers be used by you to, to touch lives, to touch our life. Give us eyes that see where you are at work, that we may be encouraged. Give us faith in those times when we're discouraged. Give us hope in days where we feel hopeless. And God, to these prayers, we would add those of our church family for Alana Lane, who's in the hospital, Lord. We lift her to you this morning. We lift Sandra Faber to you this morning. We lift Joanne Vandermullen to you this morning. We lift Nona Sibesma to you this morning. We lift Dean Aguilar to you this morning. 
Lord, help us to trust you when your will is different than what we want. And God, minister in the hearts of every person who hears these words this morning. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.